0: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber Internet, streaming TV, home security, and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com. From the Milton Metz Studio in the Radio TV Building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of The Herald Times, along with co-host WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief Sarah Whitmire. We're less than a month away from the 2018 midterm elections, and early voting has already started. So what what issues will drive Hoosiers to the polls in 2018? In the state that went to Donald Trump in 2016, will incumbent Senator Joe Donnelly, a Democrat, be able to retain his seat? Or will Hoosiers turn to the Republican challenger, Mike Braun? Next month's elections will also determine Indiana's next secretary of state, auditor, treasurer, and who will represent nine congressional districts. Today we're going to talk with four voters about what they see as the key issues in this next – this upcoming midterm election. The guests that we have are in the studio, uh, Jasna lauer wadina who's from Greenwood, and she's a Democrat, Charles McDaniel, a Republican from Indianapolis, Harrison Canabel, a Republican who's from New Albany, but he's a student here in Bloomington, and Daisy Rodriguez, who's a Democrat from Pendleton, Indiana, and she's here in Bloomington as a student as well. If you have questions or comments... You can give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. You can also reach us at news at org, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So we're very excited to have all four of you here in the studio with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So I want to I want to start with uh, Jasnah and just go down the panel and ask you to sort of identify what's the number one issue that you're thinking about as the elections draw near, or or the number one race that you're interested in, either one.
1: Um, I'm interested in the Senate race for Indiana mm-hmm. um, between um, Joe Donnelly and Mike Braun. Um, I'm a Democrat, so of course I'm you know voting for um, Donnelly. I believe in his um, platform, and actually this is the first year I've actually been involved in any type of campaign, and I've done um, quite a bit of canvassing for the Indiana Democratic Committee. So um, I thought it was very a very important election, and I thought it was very important um, to do volunteer work, and I've done many hours (laughs) knocked on many doors (laughs)
2: all right harrison yeah so uh i believe that the senate race is also the most intriguing and that it's probably the most contentious race and has been able to garner a little bit of national spotlight Uh, i'm a conservative republican so i will be supporting mr braun i'm a ground intern here in bloomington for the republican party so as well i've spent many 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 uh not so fun hours knocking on doors and whatnot And I believe that the main issue here is really regulatory rollback and economic freedom. And I think Mr. Braun's experience as a businessman really gives him some insight into that arena. And that's the chief reason why I will be
3: supporting him. All right. Charles McDaniel? Um, I'm pretty much a lifelong Republican, so I'll be supporting uh, Mr. Braun and uh, hoping that uh, the Senate will uh, become a little more in-depth with the Republican side. So that's a pretty important race. Um, part of the issue has been so many important things with an almost divided uh, equally uh, Senate. Uh, it's really stalled a lot of things that need to move on. And um, that's unfortunate because our nation is in, in many ways in need of some change and some direction. Um, And I think that's why the current president certainly uh, was elected because people were – many people were angry and upset and actually many of them crossed over to vote for the current president because of um, kind of a lingering anger. So I think the Senate is obviously a key, although the House is pretty important as well and uh, it seems to be more likely that it might turn over. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm looking at that Senate race pretty close. As far as uh, issues, uh, economic things are pretty important in the long term. There, we're over $21 trillion in debt now, and as uh, people don't realize this, but every time that the Fed raises the rate a little bit, uh, indirectly that starts to impact the long-term rates and the borrowing of the United States. And literally it costs us tens of billions of dollars to refinance the old debt that we've already spent every time it goes up a quarter of a percent. And so that's money we do not have in order to be used in the future. So I think that's pretty important. It really undergirds everything that we do from uh, whether you're interested or not interested in the military. Um, I'm a retired military officer. I'm very interested in that area. Or whether uh, or not uh, you're talking about uh, social Support of systems and so forth. All of that has an impact, and if you're paying more for old debt, you have less money to use for new debt. Mm-hmm. Daisy,
4: I am a Democrat, so I will be supporting Joe Donnelly. Um, I something that's really personal to me is the healthcare system and um, the way Joe Donnelly wants to um, expand access and lower health care costs. It really, I really support that and. Um, his opponent, Mike Braun, well, for Hoosiers, um, he would he, he has already supported three three different um, uh, acts that would eliminate uh, coverage for 2.7 million Hoosiers um, because of pre-existing conditions, including but not limited to cancer, diabetes, mental health issues, and even pregnancy. And um, he does support the age tax for um, older people. Um, so he, so for older people, it would be five times higher to afford um, health care than a younger person. And I believe that if you don't have enough money to um, have a good health care system or a good health care, um, shouldn't, you, shouldn't, you should be covered even though you don't have enough money for it. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the main reasons that I would be um, supporting John, Joe Donnelly on this will be the first election you're voting in. Yes. So going into it, are are you excited? How are you feeling? I am excited. I know this is a really um, important midterm race, especially um, because of the political climate that's been going on. Um, so I'm just excited to go out there and raise my voice and actually feel like I'm doing something to better this world instead of just complaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know, Harrison, you voted in the primary, but this is – yeah.
2: So I've been politically active since 2016, you know, with the tumultuous 2016 election. I wanted to get involved, but of course I couldn't vote, so I did everything else in my power, phone banking, knocking on doors, writing, different op-ed pieces. So now that I can finally, you know, go to the ballot box, it's just very, very, I feel very... Relieved that you know now I can finally punctuate all my work with a checkbox off a candidate's name as opposed to just telling other people to go support him, but you know I and myself can't with my vote. But now I can, so I'm very very excited, and it's been a long time coming.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, same question really for for Jasna and. And for Charles, but in a little different way. I mean, you both have voted quite a bit. But I think you said this is the first time you've worked for a campaign. It is. I mean, is is this a different kind of election? I mean, how how important do you see it?
1: It's a very different type of election. um, I think think society in general, um, I think we've become very tribal in our voting. um, And I think it is important. Um, I think the 2016 election... I think there was a lot of assumptions um, made by the Democratic Party that didn't come to fruition. And I think the Democrats now realize that, and everybody says it, and it's very true, elections have consequences. Some of those consequences are our president. Um, We have Donald Trump as our president. And um, if you didn't vote, if you didn't get out, and if you didn't canvass, you know, you get the consequences of that. Now, some people think that that's a great thing, and that's wonderful. If That's, um, you know, we're a society of choices, and, um, you know, that's what elections are for. I think the Democrats were kind of asleep and just assuming, but at this point, I think we're awake. I think not only have you poked a sleeping bear, but you've woken her up. And mm-hmm. she's very angry. Mm-hmm. And I've canvassed also. Um, I've knocked on more doors than I can count on. I've spent my Saturdays in the rain. Um, I spent eight to ten hours canvassing. Last weekend, I had knocked on 106 doors, and um, I can tell you one thing. Um, the Democrats are motivated. They're not at a level 10, they're at a level 20. Um, everybody that I talk to and everybody I have canvassed, um, every area that I have canvassed, and these are these are suburbs. We're talking the suburbs of Indianapolis, we're talking the women that um, the Democratic Party have a 30% lead on currently, um, with women voters in the state, um, they're mad. Um, they're excited. I go to a Republican's house, and they don't. And I ask them. My question is, what is it that you prefer in the Republican Party? I get no answers. I, I love Harrison. He's a young guy. It's great. Um, he said he liked the economic rollbacks that um, you know that Mike Braun is doing. And I just wanted to point out something to Harrison that. You know, because you're supporting a Republican, you put a Republican, and we had Scott Pruitt in the EPA um, in the Clean Air Act under Section 112. (laughs) It allowed us to increase our emissions of toxins due to new regulations. 189 toxins um, like benzene and dioxin, which cause cancer and birth defects, are allowed to be admitted now at an increased rate. Um, so when you're talking about rolling back regulations, those are the regulations we're talking about rolling back. And why this is important is because a Coke manufacturing plant in northern Indiana was one of those that were cited and fined just recently in the news. So when you talk about rolled back Um, regulations, you need to know what you're talking about and what regulations we are actually talking about. Don't sit there and talk to me about we're rolling back regulations when you have nothing to base that on and how it is, one, helping our society, or two, hurting our society. You tell me and you showed me, like I did, where it is helping our society society by rolling back these regulations, whether they're financial regulations like we had in the financial crisis back in 2009, where so many Hoosiers lost their homes, their their homes. Probably not your dad, because he's a doctor, but a lot of people did. And I don't want to get personal, but this is a very personal race.
0: Well, let, let me, I'm going to let um, Harrison think about that for a minute, because yeah. I want to
3: go to Charles first and let... Yes, uh, obviously, it's a very complex thing. One one of the things, honestly, I'm concerned about – I'm basically a conservative. I I believe more in a small government. Um, I think there's a lot of ways of doing things and uh, helping uh, without the government with a lot of overhead and so forth being involved. And I think looking at regulations is very important, Um, financial regulations and so forth. Obviously, the economy is doing pretty well right now, in part because of uh, regulations being examined and, in some cases, being rolled back. Um, I wish that the Congress was more involved in the process. Uh, I get concerned sometimes that what happens is the Congress passes a sort of generalized bill, and then they hand it off to um, an agency to interpret and to expand that. Um, I think that's really wrong. I think that uh, they're abdicating their responsibility as a legislature. So I'd like to see the the, the legislative bodies, the House and the Senate, to be more involved and invested in narrowing that. Um, And so it's a pretty complex issue. The executive has been given a tremendous amount of power because of that abdication. And while I believe in a strong presidency, I also believe that there needs to be some narrowing in it. So that's probably some room that we need to look at. As far as being personal and saying that it's a doctor, that your parent, I have, a, I have two parents that are very significant in my life. My first father died in Korea when I was three and uh, was a, from a relatively poor Missouri farm family. Uh, typical of World War II, um, had an eighth-grade education, and yet was able to move up to become successful in the military. Uh, unfortunately, cost him his life. But we didn't start off very um, wealthy. Um, my mom had to work pretty hard to get us where we were. Fortunately, I had a, a farm family in southern Indiana that supported us and got us through in large part, before mom remarried. Later in my high school and early college time, my mom married a doctor as well. and uh, But we'd grown up in a different place. And my, my stepfather, who was a very um, well-known physician in the Greenwood, Indiana area, had a lot of impact, delivered thousands of babies, including my wife. Um, he... He did, believed in working hard, getting a great education, and doing those kinds of things. And I think that's the message that everybody needs to have, and not to point fingers too much. One of the problems that we've got, this is my hobby horse, perhaps it's because I've been an Army chaplain, is bringing people together. And what I see is two political parties that are so busy shooting at each other that we can't get a thing done. And I almost use the word I shouldn't use as a chaplain— What humility is in very small supply in this nation. Education is very important. I have several advanced degrees myself in different fields. But it sometimes provides arrogance to us. And we think as a single human being or as a smaller group of human beings that we have all the answers. And we do not. Harrison, I
2: want to, since uh yeah, of course. So, of course, it's important to you know have environmental regulations to be able to protect people's health. But if you take a look at it, these regulations are stifling American business. And in this current economic climate, climate with all the regulatory rollback and the tax cuts, which ninety-seven percent of Hoosiers benefit from, we're seeing record un- record low unemployments, a record economy, wages are rising. So, of course, you need to strike a balance between protecting the environment, protecting the society, but you also have to unleash the American worker, which is the strongest force for good in the world. And in regards to my father, yes, he's a doctor, but he pulled himself up by the bootstraps. He worked himself through college. He put himself through the Air Force to pay for his medical school. And he's grown. He's raised me with those same values. You know, he's the most honorable man I know. So, yes, he's a doctor, and that comes with a certain level of income, but that doesn't that's certainly not a negative. He's a great man, and he's raised me by great values, and I try my best to reflect those values.
1: Mm-hmm. Can I respond to that? Yeah. Um, when I commented on the fact that his father was a doctor, I was saying that he did not feel the financial hardship that most Hoosiers felt when they when the economy tanked in 2008, um, 2009, when uh, President Obama was elected. Um, he was not feeling the financial hardship. He didn't lose his home. And that's great that your dad pulled himself up by the bootstraps. I, I applaud him for doing that. And my father was the same way. He came to the United States when he was in his 20s. He's, um he built a business uh, he has probably a third grade education he um, went ahead and built a business a very successful business in Cincinnati um, and you know ran a company for many years um, employed many people um, paid lots of taxes and um, provided for his family that's one thing that I think this country allows people to do but I also think you have to understand um... that there are people suffering and if you don't you know and people were suffering um... but also with the regulations let's get back to the regulations um... when you say you're rolling back the regulations and you're talking about you know um... businesses have to thrive Businesses were thriving. Businesses were thriving um, just fine um, with regulations in tow. I don't understand how we can't have regulations and business thriving. When you deregulate everything, you are uh, once again um, putting our country at risk for allowing companies to take advantage of those regulations whether it's emitting chemicals in the air um, that cause cancer, whether it is rolling financial institutions back and not providing um, consumer protection like the Consumer Protection Agency was designed to do, regulations are put there for a reason. Um, They're put there for our society and the safety of our society. Now, if you can point to one regulation – either one of you can point to one regulation that was stifling our industry in some way. Please tell me what it is because I'd like to know what it is because I don't think you know just give me one.
0: Well again you guys can can think yeah. that through if you want to address that yeah. you can. Yeah. I, want to, I want to turn to Daisy because one thing that Jasna talked about before is she alluded to this being you know that, that, that women are upset during, uh, during this election, and we 've heard of this called you know the Year of the woman and all that and you know you 're a first time voter and a young woman, yes. so is that an issue? I mean, are there issues that you think are unique to you as a woman
2: that-
4: Yes um well with the um, violence act the violence against women act um, that 's really important um, for me, and also it is the year of the woman, so I know that there's very many women that are being supported through this um, um, election and that just it helps me understand more of what um, how women are being suppressed and how the, like the different uh, perspectives of women um, and how they're viewed and how uh, women empower other women and it just it's benefiting benefiting to um, know um, the differences mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm very glad.
0: Are there, so, what what issues are are important? I mean, are you going to um, what what district is Pendleton in for the congressional race?
4: For the, I'm I'm actually voting here. Oh, you're voting here. Yes, yes. I moved my vote here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been for the ninth district. I've been um, campaigning for Liz Watson, mm-hmm. and I just think she's a phenomenal phenomenal phenom- phenomenal woman. I'm sorry, <laughs> um, and she's. Um, she, I feel like she represents me 100, percent and I feel like um, I'm, I'm actually very excited to vote for her. And she stands up for a lot of things, a lot of the things I believe in. And I, um, um, there's just many things that um, I support about her. And her being a woman that's fighting in a man's world is just very encouraging to me.
0: All right. Um, We're going to take a short break. This has been a very, very fast half hour, so we're going to take a short break. We'll have about 30 minutes to go when we come back. We're talking with four voters, two Republicans, two Democrats, two first-time voters who are students here at IU, two people who have voted several times before. Uh, If you want to join us, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. News at Indiana Public Media.org, and our Twitter address is at Noon Edition. We'll be right back.
5: From the Milton Met Studio at IU's Radio TV Building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville, online at smithville.com. WFIU News covers south-central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at wfiu news. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live, and you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from The Herald Times along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. We're talking with four uh, voters, four people who plan to vote in the election. Uh, two are Democrats, uh, Jasna uh, lauer Wadina, who's from Greenwood. And Daisy Rodriguez, who's a, a student here at IU and will be voting in the Ninth District, though she's, she grew up in Pendleton, Indiana. And two Republicans, Charles McDaniel, who's a Republican from Indianapolis, and Harrison Knable, who is from New Albany but is also a student here at IU. Will you be voting in Bloomington or New
2: Albany? Uh, I will be voting back in New Albany, the same Albany. congressional district. So it's, I right. don't see too much of an issue there. So if you want to talk to these four uh, four voters,
0: give us a call, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. News at is our uh, address, web address, and at noon edition. Sarah?
1: So Harrison and Daisy, if you two could just talk a little bit about where you've gone to get information about the candidates and how you have formed opinions about who you're going to support. Yeah, Do you want to start, Harrison?
2: Uh, yeah. So obviously in this day and age, it's incredibly hard to find unbiased information, especially given social media. I know that's where a lot of my peers get their information. So you have to be very conscientious and actively seek out unbiased information, which is nearly impossible to find given the different news outlets. You read one thing from Fox, and you read the same story from CNN. Two totally different worlds. So I try and dig deep. Uh, I try to read different local newspapers. I feel like those are a little more unbiased in terms of who the the candidates actually are. And uh, since I tend to see things through a business and economic lens, I'll tend to get my national news from the Wall Street Journal. And, of course, I have my guilty pleasures of conservative talk radio, but I try not to form my fact-based opinions off of those because I know that does come with a certain level of bias. Okay.
4: How about you, Daisy? Um, I also dig – it's really biased out there, and um, social media isn't really the best way to get your information, so you have to dig deep and you have to find out what's actually credible and what's not. And also I'm with a civic leaders program, so there's always um, interviewers coming and all always like different people from different aspects and different fields coming to talk to us about um, what they what they're like um, what they see are issues and things like that and I recently went to um, a trip to Washington with this program, and um, we spoke to some senators and we spoke to um, different people that. Um, are out there trying trying to get young people to vote so I think that's a really that's a really great um, way to get your information because you know it's credible and you know it's one hundred percent true
1: I'm curious just do, do you all think with young people there's more awareness of what's on social media might not be
4: true given what we experienced in in the last election i I feel like in social media with social media um Many, many people do know that it's false, but they still tend to base their facts really? off of social media. And when you ask like, to, for them to give credible sources, they can't really. And, um, but sometimes that inspires people to dig even deeper and actually find what, they're, what they truly believe in.
2: Yeah, that, that tends to be a little bit a facet of human nature that people will tend to just want to see the headlines and the incendiary mm-hmm. captions. Which, you know, we're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of that of seeing a headline and then spouting it back out. But it's so important, you know, I feel like young people are definitely more riled up this time around. And it's important to, while you are riled up and you have that motivation, to also turn some of that motivation to making sure you're making an informed decision, a facts-based decision, and not just a decision based on something your friend said or a headline you saw on Twitter or Facebook. It's so we have so much information nowadays, but it's, it's kind of a paradox that we have we have so much readily available information but at the same time. I feel like people are becoming less and less informed due to that overload because they don't feel the need to go in depth.
0: I, I want to ask about advertising, um, particularly television advertising. They're, the campaign spent a great deal of money on. TV advertising, social media advertising, some newspaper advertising, and so much of it is negative. And I just want to get your reaction. I mean, does it have an impact on you? When I, I you know, I, I can point to the the Donnelly versus Braun campaign, and if you really listen to those ads, you would think that neither one was fit to be in yeah. office. I mean, yeah. so I mean, what kind of what kind of impact does campaigning like that have on you? And Jason, let's start with you.
1: Um, I think that um, when you hear negative ads, um, and you have to understand that it's sometime coming from dark money, um, it's coming, uh, you have to think of the source. Um, a lot of the ads are not actually put out by the candidates themselves. They're put out by super PACs. They're put out by dark money that we don't even know now because we don't have that information. It's hidden. So um, you don't know who's putting out the advertising, but it is very negative. Um, and it seems like only the negative um, is pointed out by the opponent. Um, in fact, I received a couple mailers just the other day. Came to the house, and one mailer was from Mike Braun. There was actually a couple from Mike Braun, um, and one said I was about the Iran nuclear um, deal and how they had put a how Obama had had two hidden um, a- a- appendix to it. And I got the ad, and I was uh, the circular, and I was like, "This is, seems so." Bizarre, almost like propaganda. And so um, I went online. Um, I went online, and I actually pulled up the Iran nuclear deal. It's 150-something pages, and I read the whole thing. I read it. Then I looked for the codicils, and I looked um, to see, you know, who was responsible for the codicils. And I know a lot of people think, well, I don't have time to look at this. But you have to understand, um, it is – probably one of the most important decisions you're going to make that is going to affect our state and our country in the next six years if we're talking about senators congressmen for two but um so it is going to directly impact you in some way shape or form so it's imperative that you take the time and you investigate and that flyer was completely false and um So I'm glad I did the research. I'm glad I looked into it. And I think you just have to educate yourself, no matter what it is, whether it's like, um, you know, somebody saying something negative about Joe Donnelly. Yeah, I investigate those, too, because I'm not a – you know, I want the truth. I want transparency. I want to know who I'm sending, whether – you know, if Mike Braun had the beliefs that I had and I really thought that he had the character – And I would cross lines and vote Republican. I would. I've split my ticket before. I don't think that's not my goal. My goal is to put the most qualified individual in that office that is going to, one, I think politics is very personal. Who's going to look out for my personal interests? But then I also think when you go into the voting booth and you only have that mind thought that this is about me, and you vote that way, you are completely shutting out society. And you have to think, is this, is this the best person, not just for me, but for my community? And when I go in and I vote, I always take that into consideration. Is he going to be the best person for me, and is he going to be the best for my society? And I don't think a lot of people do. I think a lot of people vote, um, you know, just, you know, how's it going to benefit me?
0: Yeah, well, And, you know, you're a Democrat. You're supporting Democratic candidates. Both the Republicans who Mm -hmm. are here in the room were nodding their heads Mm -hmm. as you were speaking. Mm -hmm, Could you
3: guys talk to that, Charles? Well, I think I I have not found anyone in my life, and I talk to a lot of people, both sides of the aisle, so to speak, that really enjoys the uh, election season and television uh, commercials. Uh, It is unbelievable. And... uh, as you've pointed out, part of the problem is so many of the ads are from money that comes from the ad. I find it funny, though, because part of the ads will say he's taking millions from outside the state, basically. And i and of course, the same is true of the other candidate. So uh, I, I, it's a dilemma. It really is a dilemma. And I, I don't know if part of it is when we are not in an election season. Uh, the Supreme Court, of course, has has said that we have freedom of speech, and it's hard to limit that, but um, it would be nice to have candidates that didn't take so much money, period. This is such – in our state, for better or worse, we have a Senate race that is very close, and it's also very close in the Senate. So there's huge amounts of national interest in this one of about half a dozen states to try to switch one way or the other, because they want to get the Senate, certainly. But it is ad nauseum. It makes you sick sometimes, and we just luckily we can hit the button and stop the sound. You know, it almost my wife and I we just got a thing, click the button uh, during the commercial during this time because we've heard the same thing thousands of times, literally. So I I think for example, there's one commercial that really bothers me. Um, about the insurance for Mike Braun, but if you look carefully at the the document that they're showing you, what happens is when you uh, are in business, you give your employees several options of choosing. If you look carefully, that's the high option. So in other words, what it is is I'm taking a high deductible. So then they pronounce that what it is, it costs several times more than the average. Well, of course it does. Those are for people that make quite a bit of money, and they can absorb the deductibles. So they take a $10,000 deductible. But I'd like to know a little more in depth, as we we were talking, what were the costs for most of his employees, and what options did they use? Now, see, those are the half-truths that get us into trouble from either side. I've noticed that commercial and mm-hmm. seen yes. that Look same very thing. carefully yeah, at the top of it. It mm-hmm. says high deductible mm-hmm. option. Yeah. Harrison, well, can were, I ask
1: no. you a question? Yeah. And I know I'm sorry, I didn't. Yeah. But you were saying you were talking about dark money and how dark money has come into the political process. And you're Republican. And I believe this was passed by the Supreme Court. Um, uh, Citizens United, would you if you vote for Mike Rohn, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, You're basically voting to continue with Citizens United and not having that repealed. And that is where our dark money is coming from. So you're actually voting for a candidate who is actually supporting that and not allowing transparency. So if you're saying you want transparency, wouldn't you want to vote for a candidate who is against Citizens United and have that repealed? Because I don't think any corporation should have more of a vote than I do.
3: Mm Well, corporations. Sure. I've got investments and in, I, you know, proxies and stuff. So corporations. One of the things is uh, people who have proxies and so forth need to vote their corporations uh, and help to influence that. There's a lot of times that those corporations are led by people, just as in unions, because my wife's been in a union. Um, I have not. That vote entirely differently and support candidates. They're entirely different from what my wife's belief was or other people's beliefs are. So that's that's an issue, too, I just want to highlight, that people need to be involved in. I get proxies all the time. They need to make sure that their corporation heads are aware that they should not be voting in this way and so forth. So you can have an, an effect if you do that. The second thing is there are power centers in the whole world, and I think this is what concerns me. It's not so much that corporations have power or... Uh, parties have power or a certain segment of government has power. There's a very good reason that our founders put three different parts in our government to try to balance that. And frequently, that particular individual group, whether it's the judiciary or whether it's the legislative body or whether it's the executive, are trying to conserve for themselves and to obtain more power over the other two that's true of corporations political powers, segments of political powers or whatever don't kid yourself power is absorbed and created and desired by people and um, that's part of the problem it's a constant rebalancing act i think that's what we need to do is have a government and a people that are sensitive educated and trying to balance this otherwise we get as in both political parties to some extent in our day, I think, fairly extreme groups that drive much more of the direction of the party as a whole.
0: I, I want to I move on to uh, – you, you mentioned the three different parts of government, and so I want to have to bring up the Supreme Court in the most recent uh, battle over um, Judge Kavanaugh. Um, is that what – you, what you just saw with the, the squabble over Judge Kavanaugh, is that going to have any impact on the way – that you vote or the way you look at the electoral process. And I want to hear from Harrison and
2: Daisy first. Yeah, oh, Daisy, you go okay. first. Mm-hmm. So
4: with um, Kavanaugh being confirmed, <clears throat> it has been a very um, tough situation, especially for me. Um, and I know for very many women and not just women. So I know it it definitely um, persuaded me even more to vote um, for the Democratic uh, party, because I know that it was mostly the Republican Party who voted for um, Kavanaugh. So I just think that's that's something that's going to hurt um, the Republican Party, but also it will help the Democratic Party because they are angered and they are um, fired up. So they, I feel like they will go to the polls and they will vote. Okay. Hopefully,
2: Harrison. Yeah, I was discouraged at what I saw from both parties, especially from the Democrats. You know. I can't really speak upon uh, whether or not Dr. Ford's allegations were true or not. They were found to be untrue by the Senate, so I'll consider that settled. But what I find concerning for me was the political tactics that the Democrat Party employed, you know, sitting on the letter, delaying, trying to delay the confirmation vote, I think, past the election. I think that was ultimately their goal, and I think it's just dirty politics. and. I think that's very indicative of the environment that we're in right now, where it's very tribal, as was aforementioned. And I think that's an issue. You know, the confirmation process used to be very bipartisan. It used to be kind of a cornerstone of what our nation was supposed to be in terms of, you know, coming together. Even RGB uh, kind of lambasted the Democratic Party for what they did. And that's RGB, so that's a Democratic heroine. So it was it was very troubling for me. Uh, I think everyone can say that both parties definitely had their issues. I'm glad that he was confirmed. I believe that presumption of innocence and due process is very important, and her allegations were uncorroborated and they could not be proven. I do believe something happened to her. I'm not sure. I'm not going to speak on it because I don't know. I'm very comfortable saying that I don't know, and I would be uncomfortable saying, I believe she's lying or not lying. But what I do know is that in a court of law, it would not be upheld. So I think it's important that due process and the presumption of innocence and the burden of having proved the guilt falling on the accuser, those are the cornerstones and the foundation upon which this nation was built. So if we throw those by the wayside, it's a very slippery slope to see where we can end up. So it was very contentious, very disputatious for everyone involved. I think we can all agree on that. And hopefully that... In my young life, that's the worst. I thought the 2016 election was the uh, worst polarization that I'd ever seen and hopefully would ever see. But I think it's continually getting worse. And I think common people, you know, us, we're not up in the Senate or the House. We can realize that, okay, this division, this polarization, something needs to change. We're torn apart and we have to find a way to bring it back. And I think a good example of that is the confirmation process. People used to be confirmed 90 votes to single digits, and now we're having 51 to I believe those 50 to 48. That's an issue. We have to fix that. Let me give our phone numbers again. Just Can in case. I No, let me, give, to that, no let, let
0: me give the phone numbers sure. again, please. 812 855 0811 and 877 285 9348 outside of the Bloomington area. We have about 15 minutes left to go, and if you want to give us a call, please do so.
1: I would love to respond to the. Quickly, please. Oh, yeah, sure.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: okay. Mm-hmm. I would love to respond to the Supreme Court nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, he was not. Um, he was not um, innocent. Um, he was not. Dec- no one found that he was innocent. Um, you presume that ex- innocent ex- presumed until, innocent. Yes. He's no okay. Uh, President Trump came out and said that he was innocent. He was never found innocent. There's a few things that you're a little skewed on your facts. Number one is the fact that he um that the number one was the um, actual investigation that was done by the FBI. Um, the FBI Director Ray came out a couple days ago and said that the scope of the investigation was limited by the White House. It was not a transparent investigation. They were limited to what they were allowed to do, who they were allowed to talk to, and what they were allowed to follow up on. I look at it this way. When he was asked several times, would you welcome an FBI investigation and would you be willing to take a lie detector test? Even though people say they're not admissible, um, you know, Professor Ford did do that. At each time that he was asked that, he specifically refused to answer. If I were innocent, 100% innocent, and there was nothing I had to hide, I would welcome any investigation. I could strap on 100 polygraphs to me, and I would be happy to answer any one of them. And when you say that, you know, it was investigated and it was found to be true, it was a sham of an investigation. It wasn't complete. There also is another investigation that is going on with complaints that were actually um, from the Ninth Circuit. They went up to the head um, of the Supreme Court and they were because and he could have quashed them. Judge Roberts could have quashed them and not even looked into them. But what he did is he, two days ago, he referred them to the 10th District Circuit for them to go ahead and be investigated. So um, Judge Kavanaugh's um, confirmation yes, he is confirmed, but his, the investigation is not over. I uh, believe. Jasmine, that he,
0: can I, can I I'm break, break yeah, in here? Because I, sure. I don't want to redo the whole Kavanaugh sure, case. I, I, just, I just wanted to see how it yeah. impacted the way you're thinking about the election. I've totally okay? made me so, vote for you. Joe okay. Donnelly
1: because I would never vote for a Republican who would do something okay. like that. Thank you. Sarah? And Charles, did you uh, want to add yeah, anything? Yeah, I
3: just wanted to say mm-hmm. it obviously is very controversial. I, I dug into it quite a bit myself, and um, substantiation, cooperation is very important. And uh, the, the, the people that she had even listed in order to do that – didn't come through for her. Um, and I thought that was a very important point. Um, as far as saying if you were uh, – I mean we can be hypothetical in that. I think we had a judge who was understanding w- the way the system works. And uh, he was not going to be as forthcoming. So anyway uh, – well, Will it have an impact on what, how yeah, you it, Oh, I think it will. I mm-hmm. think it will have a, a, an impact. But I, I think, again, part of it is to try to see – there are important points to be preserved and um, to be supported on both sides. I have two daughters um, they are very powerful daughters, very uh, smart, very um, educated, and they're not going to be voting for Uh, the current senator. I'll just tell you that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there are women out there who were not convinced as well as men. And I think that's very important. Okay, we're going to go to the phones. We have a phone
0: call from Steve. Put on your headphones so you can hear. Steve, go ahead.
6: Yeah, um, a real quick observation. I think I heard um, the two gentlemen on the show talk about institutions that have sort of shaped their um, political philosophies. And if I heard it right – and I'm sorry, I came in a little bit late – both of them cited the military, and I believe one of them said somebody went to medical school in their family. I, I don't want to misstate things. Is that accurate?
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, by so, the way, but most of my family were Democrats growing up.
6: <laughs> sure, sure. I don't I, – I, that's regardless. Um, no, no it's, I not,
3: actually, it's not regardless. It has a great impact uh, statistically on what you end up being.
6: Right. No, no. Okay. I, guess, uh, okay. I can just get to my point. Um, I get the feeling a great many people, and I'm a lifelong Hoosier, a great many Hoosiers that I'm around are to some extent still voting for um, institutional norms and values that have long ago passed. Uh, The parties have essentially sorted. And when you vote for one, you're voting for a pretty consistent, regardless of the people who are running, you're voting for a pretty consistent set of policies. And it's striking to me that both of the gentlemen on the panel, their stories involved among the most socialized institutions in America, the military. And so what I guess my question is, is um, when people say they pull themselves up by their bootstraps, they almost always tell a narrative that's quite flattering because they obviously have seen a great deal of hard work. But it's interesting, maybe the medical school one of them went to was completely privatized. But if it was a public medical school, Public colleges used to be subsidized a great deal more than they were. So a ladder, a social ladder, was extended down to people that uh, gave them a, a, a hand up. And those public institutions have been basically undermined and denigrated for the last thirty-five years. You had a party under Reagan that began running against government, and and it's systematically done that. It's basically weakened government over private institutions, even though a great many people were shaped and lifted up by those. Public institutions, and I'm not being very coherent right now, but I guess I'm curious about that because I know so many people who have left the Republican Party as Hoosiers and are still Hoosiers because they were honest about the ways in which they were helped up by the bootstrap by publicly funded institutions.
0: Okay, we're going to. If you
6: can find any, if you can find any question in
0: that, yeah, Steve. I am Steve. Thank you. I think what the question really is—he's trying to ask about you know the public institutions that you're supporting and whether the republican party has abandoned them so I, I think that is one way to really summarize his question and charles you've
3: you've been a voter for a long time so yeah yeah, uh, yeah i don't that's not an insult but <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fact comes with the fact that's right so uh, have i yeah i uh i, I it was steve right steve, yeah yes. i appreciate steve's comments um, and i i've been helped Um, My father died in Korea, so I went on his GI Bill initially. But I've gone on from that and um, earned a lot of my own education and uh, worked pretty hard for that. So I think that's the more fundamental thing is to understand there's a responsibility on the person's side as well. Just because it's handed to you doesn't mean that it's – You've, you've got to do something for it. You've got to use it. You've got to build on that. And, and I think that's important. I think it's a little too much of a blanket statement to uh, say that the Republicans have basically tried to erode completely these things. Um, I, the leadership in this particular – I'm just talking about one small aspect I understand, but the leadership in getting – frequently increases in the GI Bill, uh, benefits for the military folks and so forth, have been Republicans. It costs money to do that wherever you do it in the private sector, uh, excuse me, on the uh, non-military side for educational support and so forth, or the military. But it still has the same result in a sense. And I, excuse me for being a little out there, but young men and women And I've, as an Army chaplain, I've buried young men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice. And I don't want to try to get overly committed in emotion in this, but it is deep to me. They earned some money from the government. And I think it was a a, a Democrat in my youth who got assassinated when I was a, a senior in high school, and I can tell you exactly where it was. I was walking down the hall. And I can tell you within a foot of where I was when I heard it over the announcements. And his name was Kennedy. And we need to understand, we need to think more about what he said one time, and that's think not so much what your government can do for you, but what you can do for your government. And there's got, it's a balancing act. It's a constantly looking at things. And I think both parties need to do this. So I don't want to, and there's a lot of Republicans who have supported social welfare as well. I don't want to um, take all the time from y'all. All
0: right. We we have just about a minute to go. So I'm going to give you each just – this is a very quick lightning mm-hmm. round. So any last thoughts that you might have that you want to, to uh, tell our listeners about, um, you know, your interest in voting, the issues at hand, what you want to look at? Daisy?
4: Yeah, I just want to encourage every young person to get educated about um, this upcoming election, and I would like um, for – for them to um, get out there and campaign for someone and find something that you believe in and fight for that because nobody else will and if you don't if you're just angry you have to act upon that or not even angry just encourage and motivated and um, also just a shout out to um, the Latino voters because I know many of the many um, Latinos aren't don't really think that their vote matters, but I really want to encourage you guys to um, go out and vote and get educated.
0: Okay, I'm giving Daisy the last word. <laughs> thank you very much. You. We are out of time. I want to thank our four guests who are with us today: Jasna Lauer, uh, Wadina. From Greenwood, Charles McDaniel from Indianapolis, Harrison Knabel from New Albany and Bloomington, an IU student, and Daisy Rodriguez from Pendleton and an IU student. For producer Patrick McGurr, engineer Mike Pashkash, and co host Sarah Whitmire, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.
5: Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.
0: Production support for Noon Edition comes from Smithville. Fiber internet, streaming TV, home security and automation in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.